Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Hey, if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Psalm 13? I want to uh, begin a three-week series today, and uh, today is the introduction, and then there's two weeks leading up to Easter, and it's a very powerful thing. The title of the message today is called Praise Your Way Out of the Valley. Have you ever been in a valley experience where it's dark and lonely and not quite what you envisioned? Not quite where you wanted to go. Because we, we like mountaintops, you know, just experiences. We like to go from mountaintop to mountaintop because you've got the view. But sometimes you get into a valley and you just don't know how you get there. And it's, it's painful, it's dark, it's scary. And uh, have you ever been in a valley and you haven't known how long this valley experience is going to last? Some of you are saying, John, I've been in a valley now for years. Well, I'm going to tell you how to get out of your valley. Are you interested? Yeah. But let's, let's read uh, some, so, uh, a psalm that identifies. Okay, It's called the How Long Psalm. <laughs> the How Long Psalm. It was funny because I preached this at camp yesterday. And I said, you know, this reminds me of the dad joke. How long is an Asian? And hardly anybody got it. You know, and, and then I said, then how long is a town? You don't get it either. It's like our minds get so locked in that we think that how long is a town is a question. But in actual fact, if you let your mind switch, to, it's not a question, it's a statement. How long is a town? All of a sudden... It, it's just, it's different. How many of you know that how long is a town? In, New, in Victoria, New South Wales border. How long is an Asian? It's a name, not a question. But your brain sort of, it just locks in. And, 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 and it's, it was really funny yesterday. It took one of the guys two hours to work it out. <laughs> And he's very intelligent. He's white collar, very intelligent. And maybe some of you are sitting there and you still haven't worked it out. By the end of the service, you'll work it out. But we can, we can lock our brains into, in, into, just in, into a trap. And God wants to liberate us. How long? Here it is. Let's read the psalm together. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? How many of you have prayed the how long prayer? How long have you been in a situation where... This, this verse, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? What that means is, have you ever felt sick in the pit of your stomach? How many have ever felt sick in the pit of your stomach? Or, you know, or sometimes just physical illness. And it's like, how long will this illness 
be speaking to me? How long will this thing that's a pain in my soul be counseling me and telling me what to think and what to feel? How, that's what that means. How long will I take counsel from the pain in the pit of my soul? Having sorrow in my heart daily. Some of you wake up in the morning when you're in the valley and you're sad. You're sad from the beginning of the day to the end of your day. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? And some of you kind of feel, man, I'm just constantly losing. My enemy's winning, I'm losing. My situation is winning, I'm losing. How long, how long, how long? Can I just tell you that I've been praying prayers now for decades. I've been in situations, not in every situation, but in some situations in my life where I can definitely identify with it. But, but John, you're the pastor. Yeah, even the pastor has valley experiences. Even the pastor has, has times when you pray and you've got faith, but you still confront things. Matter of fact, this message that I'm preparing for you has come out of one of my valley experiences this year. And I decided, man, I'm in my valley, but I'm going to praise my way out. I'm going to praise my way out. And that's where the revelation comes. So, so here's the first two verses. How long? How long? How long? How long? Now, verse 3, watch what happens. All of a sudden, the psalmist, and this is David, starts to change tact. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes. Now he's stopping complaining. Now he's turning to God. Can you see? All of a sudden, there's a shift of I'm focusing on my complaint. To, I, I'm, I'm going to focus on God. I, consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest, lest my enemies have say I've prevailed against him. So now what he starts doing, he starts changing his shift from the voice of the enemies. And he's starting to switch off the voice of the enemies. How many of you know that what can happen sometimes is the voice of your enemy can be very loud and clear and there's a switch that you've got to switch off. Lest my enemies, he's the psalmist, saying, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who troubled me rejoice when I am moved. I'm going to switch off the joy of the enemies and the focus on that. And then watch what happens in verse 5. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. How many of you can sense the shift of tone that starts in verse 1 and finishes in verse 6? How many of you can see the shift of tone? Fantastic. I need a person to help me. I'm going to ask Janine. Come on up here, Janine. going to help me. You're going to help me this morning. I got my props. Okay. So here's, this is what happens. Okay. How many of you know that this year is the year of new things? How many of you love new things? How many of you, how many of you want God to do new things for you? Uh, turn to the person and say, I want God to do new things. So this is what happens. What happens is this, is that sometimes we're feeling forgotten. And we hold that whole thing of, 
Come on, let's be honest. How many of you sometimes, especially when you hear the testimonies of people's prayers being answered? I love hearing testimonies of prayers being in. I love hearing people getting healed. But sometimes we sit there and say, Hello, God, I'm here. You've answered their prayer and that's awesome. What about my... You feel forgotten. How many of you sometimes feel like you're forsaken? It's like God's listening to everybody else. But here you are and you're feeling forsaken you're feeling that God not only has forgotten you but has turned his back upon you and you feel like your prayers are hitting a a ceiling of brass and just bouncing back down come on let's be honest how many of you felt like that and here's the psalmist saying how long oh God will I listen to the counsel of my soul just hold it in this hand here That's it, like that. Beautiful. You're feeling sick in the pit of your stomach. And I I hate that feeling where you just lose your sleep. You're feeling sick in the pit of your stomach. You don't have an answer to the problem that's facing you. And you literally feel, how many of you? And and that speaks to you. And this is what the psalm is. How long will I take counsel from my soul? It's like, how long will this pit in my stomach be dictating to me the way that I feel and the way that I do life? How how long, oh Lord, am I going to be feeling sad? And you've got sadness. You just wake up in the morning, you're feeling sad. You're feeling sad about your situation. You've got a doctor's prognosis. You've got a psychiatrist's prognosis. You've got got an authority figure telling you what they feel is is wrong with you. And and all, all it does, you're feeling sad. How long, oh God? Is my enemy going to prevail? And I feel like the enemy is winning and I'm losing. How long is this going to be? How long? How long? How long? And we're caught in this trap of how long? And then we go to church and we hear incredible messages that God is wanting to do new things. And God's got a box of new things for you. And, and can, can I just tell you what the problem is? Here's the problem, is that you're carrying all of these things and God's wanting to give you new things. But while you're carrying these things, come on, Janine, grab the new things. that God's got new things. I'm prophesying it for you. God's got new things. Will you receive it, Janine? God's got new things for you. They're beautiful things. They're amazing things. Janine, what are you got to do to receive the new things? Got to let go of this. Come on then. Now what? Now, now, now look, 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 look at the body language. Come on. Look at the body language. Look at the body language. What's happened is that she's changed body language from carrying those things to lifting her hands up to heaven for the new things to come. And here they come, Janine. They're yours. Come on. If you're going to give the Lord a clap, give the Lord a clap. We've got to change. You can, thank you, Janine. You're awesome. Yeah. Actually, put them, put them at the front where people can see them. With their, with, with, uh, just put them there where people can see them. Because it's just so important that we get to understand that we have to change focus. Praise causes you 
to change focus. Everybody say it. Praise causes us to change focus. We've got to shift the focus from all of those things, forgotten, forsaken, sick, sad, losing, to God, you are awesome. And so I love the fact that the psalmist then in verse 5 begins to articulate praise. And the psalmist begins, David begins to say, here's what he says, but I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let, let, let me show you a few things about praise because praise is a choice. What, what David begins to do is, 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 is start to focus on the trustworthiness of God. Trust. Trust is a big thing. How many of you have, through disappointment, lost trust? How many of you have had a friend that disappointed you and because of that you lost trust? And trust is really hard to rebuild when it's lost. But, but I want to say to you that God is trustworthy. Sometimes God is late. Sometimes God takes his time. But God never fails. He's trustworthy. And you've got to focus in on the trustworthiness of God. Then, then, then not only is God trustworthy, but God is also merciful. Have we got the notes coming up, Tim? Just uh, God is merciful as well. So, so is there a reason why this is ringing in my ears? Because if we, we can drop down the volume, I'm just getting distracted a little bit. That's all. Uh, God is merciful. I love, I love focusing on the mercy of God. How many of you have ever given mercy to somebody? Have you shown mercy to somebody? Can I just say that mercy is more a reflection of who you are than who the person who receives the mercy is? So, so the person who receives mercy is probably unworthy, has probably done the wrong thing, has probably made huge mistakes, and that's okay. But the person who demonstrates mercy is at a higher level. And that's God. He is a God of mercy. And so you can't earn mercy. You don't deserve mercy. Nobody that receives mercy deserves it. And so stop trying to, to earn mercy. All you've got to do is call out, God, would you have mercy upon me? It's like, I, I love Barnab Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I've got nothing to give you. I, I don't deserve anything. I'm a blind beggar sitting on the road. I've not even met you. I don't know anything about you except that you're a merciful God just cried out. And that's what praise does. Oh God, have mercy. I'm turning my gaze on the mercifulness, on the grace of God. And it's unmerited. It's undeserved. But it comes from a heart of mercy. That's praise. So God is trustworthy. God is merciful. And then the psalmist says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. You're the Savior. You're the Savior. See, see as Pentecostals and Christians... Whenever we speak about salvation, again, our brain shifts into we're saved from damnation, we're saved from sin, we're saved from hell. You know, salvation sort of just focuses in on that. But can I tell you that salvation is saving you from any difficulty? 
You know, if you're in a pit, you need salvation. If you're drowning, you need salvation. If you're sick, you need salvation. If you're lost, you need salvation. Wherever, wherever you're in problem time, you need salvation. And he's God, the Savior, that comes in at any time, in any situation, and says, I'm trustworthy, I'm merciful, and I will turn your situation around. I'm your Savior. I want to turn your situation around. I want to speak to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus and prophesy over you that turnaround is coming turnaround is coming salvation is coming that something is happening in your situation where you begin to call upon the name of the Lord you begin to call upon the name of the Lord and he will not turn his back on you you will not be forsaken you will not be forgotten but God will hear from heaven as you turn your gaze upon him and he will break into your situation and bring salvation in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And then the psalmist says, I will sing. I will sing. Everybody say, I will sing. I love having free will. Free will. It's, 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 it's the greatest gift that God's given you, free will. The problem with us is that we don't understand that we've got like two boxes. In, um, let, me, let me pull out two boxes. What I should have done, I should have thought this through. But let, let me, uh, double-sided boxes. Come on, Maggie, come and help me. So, so we, we've got two boxes in, in our spirit. And so, so this box is called the box of emotion. And this is the box of decision. What happens is this, is that so many things in our lives live in the box of emotion. And it controls us. Forgiveness is one of those things that can live in the box of emotion. And I don't feel like forgiving him. He... Mate, he's ripped me off. He's done all sorts of bad things against me. Mate, he chose to do that. I'm, I'm, mate, I tell you, I'm just so angry. The box of emotion. And he's God saying, forgive your enemies. And if you can't forgive them, then neither will I forgive you. But God, you've got no idea what they've done to me. Box of emotion. Huh? See, you've got to take it from the box of emotion to the box of decision. I will forgive. Because too many times I don't feel like forgiving. The box of emotion. Have you ever felt like that, Max? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> See, this is what happens. God picks you out to hold my props and then speaks to you prophetically. <laughs> And so, and so then you're holding these two boxes, Mags. And he's God speaking to you saying, you've got too many things in this box of emotion. And you need to swap it to the box of I will. And too often we come to church and we don't feel like praising. We don't, God, you, you've forsaken me. You've forgotten me. We don't feel like doing anything. That's very Italian when you do that. You know, so it's body language. 
And something's got to happen where we just, we just say, I'm going to take it out of the box of emotion and put into the box of decision. I will sing. I will praise. I will show grace. I will show mercy. Because that's what you've done for me. I will do it for others. I will sing. Thanks, Mags. You're awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I love this. And, you know, it all makes it easier. When, and this is what the psalmist does. He, just, he, he finishes the psalm with the twist of focus. He starts the psalm with, I'm focused on all the bad things, all my valley experience. But this is what he does. He finishes the psalm with the twist. And what's the twist? Because you have dealt bountifully with me. And what's the twist? Now, he's not focusing on the valley. He's not focusing on all the bad things that he's surrounded with. He's looking back to what the Lord has done in his life. He's looking to the testimonies of breakthrough. He's looking to the answered prayers. He's looking to the times when God has come through, when God has done miracles, when God has dealt bountifully with him. When God, and I'm telling you, sometimes you need to write yourself a book of remembrance of what God has done because God has been doing things in your life from the day you were born. He's been at work behind the scenes, blessing, guiding, protecting, providing. And we so often forget because our focus is on our current need. And I love to enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I love to enter the presence of God just focused on, I remember, I remember this is what you've done. I remember this. And you know what? It just builds me up so that when I present my petitions before God, my faith is built up because he's dealt bountifully with me in the past. I've got faith now to pray for my present situation because I've got a book of remembrance written about all the good things that God has done for me. And I do not stop giving thanks because thanks helps me get through the valley. Oh, let, let, come on. Let, let, let me just give you five things that praise does for you. Five things that praise will do for you. Five things. Are you ready for this? So quickly. Oh, my goodness. The time is up. Praise opens doors and breaks chains. Everybody say, praise opens doors and breaks chains. You say, where do you get this scripture? Well, it's found in Acts chapter 16. Verses 25 and 26. And it's the story of Paul and Silas thrown into prison in Philippi. They're in locks. They're in chains. They're in behind closed doors. And at midnight, they've been beaten up they're, for doing good. They, they, were doing, they were helping people. And, 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 and someone misinterpreted their good and made it out to be bad. And they got beaten up for doing good. How many of you have ever been beaten up for doing good? Maybe not physically, but verbally. Huh? Absolutely. And so, you know, you know, for me, when I get beaten up for doing good, the first thing I do is feel sorry for myself. Hello? You just think, what is the matter with these people? You know, I'm only doing good and they're beating me up. 
But do you know what Paul and Silas decided to do? We're not going to concentrate on being beaten up. We're not going to concentrate on feeling sorry for ourselves. At midnight, they started praying and worshipping and praising God. And such was the power of their praise. The Bible says there was an earthquake and the prison doors were opened and their chains fell off. Come on. You know what it says to me? It says that praise is going to open doors and break chains. Come on. And you just got to get into a higher intensity of praise until the prison doors open and the chains break off. Number two, uh, second thing that praise does, it cuts through strongholds. Psalm 149, verses 6 to 9. You can read this through at home. But it says that, that, that praise in our mouths, the high praises of God in our mouths, is like a two-edged sword in our hands. And then it talks about what this two-edged sword does. It just slices through darkness. It slices through strongholds. You say, how can praise be a sword? It's connected to the spirit realm. You want to do warfare? There's a spirit realm. Come on, I'm not spooky here. I just know that we are more than just physical beings. I just know that we don't only live in the three dimensions of the physical realm. There is a spiritual realm about us. And if you want to do warfare in the spiritual realm, it's not just throwing stones and kicking and punching. It's getting praise in your mouth. It's a two-edged sword. Something spiritual happens. Happens when you begin to praise, and it's time that you begin to fill your home, your atmosphere with praise. It's powerful to break through the darkness. Number four. Oh, okay. Just testing. You're awake. Praise and worship defeats the enemy. Second Chronicles chapter 20, 21 to 22. I could preach a sermon on every single one of these points, but I'm just, you're really intelligent people and you guys can go so fast that you can pick this up. So here's King Jehoshaphat facing the armies of the enemy. And he says, God, will you help us? And God says, send the singers and musicians out first. How many of you think that's a pretty crazy strategy? Where's our worship team? Come on, you can come up. Come on up, the worship team. Because uh, you're, in about, you're about to sing and praise God. But you, how, how many of you, Amelia, how, many of you, how would you like it if um, you got the news that there's a big army of enemies with swords and shields and uh, you were going out first? The king said, Amelia, you're going first. Go, Amelia. <laughs> Yay, Amelia. When they see you, they're going to be scared. What? No, no. It's, we're going to send the singers and the musicians out first. And the praise and worship. The Bible says the singers and musicians went out first. And God ambushed the enemy because of praise and worship. The enemy got ambushed. The enemy got defeated. He said, that is crazy. That's what the enemy wants you to think because he knows that praise and worship defeats him. Come on. Number four, what praise and worship does it brings the presence of God. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. When, when, when the children of God begin to praise, it builds a throne for God. 
I want to say to you right now, the quickest way of getting the presence of God is through praise and worship. Praise and worship will bring the presence of God. For those of you that are taking notes, that's Psalm 22 verse 3. It just brings the presence of God. If you feel, if you feel sort of forsaken, start praising God, folks. Come on. Put on praise and worship music. Surround yourself with praise and worship music. Turn it up loud. <laughs> I, got, I got surround sound at home. And uh, when Anne's not there, I just put it on loud. Because she's getting older. Don't tell her that, whatever. It's just a sign you're getting older when you don't like loud music. But I, I must be young because I still like loud music, see? It's a sign. And so we got surround sound. And just even last night while I was preparing for this message, you know, I just put praise and worship on the surround sound and I'm just worshiping God, just preparing for today. And the prayer was late. I was tired. But oh, I just started weeping in the presence of God because God turns up. God turns up. And the things of this world just seem to grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And guess what? When you begin to praise and worship, the presence comes. And the Bible says the joy comes. The fifth thing that praise and worship does, it brings joy. Hey, you say, how do you know that? Because Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. So the presence comes and with the presence is the joy. So praise and worship brings the presence. And then when God brings His presence, joy comes. So in actual fact, praise and worship also brings joy. Your situation, your situation will turn. Come on, you want to get out of the valley. 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 Change your focus. Got to change your focus. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.